world's on fire, our culture is disintegrating. Hey, pass the salt. It's time. It's time. Hey, you, pass the salt. You know why it's disintegrating? Because we're jellyfish. Hey, pass the salt, will you? Pass the salt. Pass the salt, amigo. It's time. It's time. I think they could give us a new name. I believe we are Evan Jellyfish. Hey, will you pass the salt? Pass the salt. We need salt over here. It's time for Pass the Salt. Pass the salt. But we like to share the gospel without any backbone to it, see? The views, opinions, and seemingly outrageous comments expressed in this program are based on the Holy Spirit leading of a man called Coach. I gotta ask you this out there, Christian America. It's time for Pass the Salt with a coach, Dave Dobbenmeyer. <clears throat> so can two walk together lest they agree? That's right out of the scriptures, you know. Can two walk together lest they agree? So I really want to, that's kind of the direction I want, want, want to go this morning. Uh, if I get around, get a chance, chance to get to it. And I was kind of reminiscing here in the pre-show. For those of you who don't know, we do have a pre-show. We have a post-show, actually. A lot of people that get in here before the show. And uh, we've become really, really, really tight friends, good friends. And, and I was kind of reminiscing or ruminating as, uh, before the show got gone here this morning about the true friends that I've made in this huddle. Now, look, one of the things when I got, when I got sued by the American Civil Liberties Union, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to make a point, okay? I'm not bragging. Stay with me here. Uh, one of the things that uh, we were at London High School, it was 19, <clears throat> I was a football coach in London High School from 1989 uh, through 99 season. So 10 years, really, I guess maybe it was 11 years. I was, I was the football coach <clears throat> and the, the, t- the f- team wasn't any good. And we went there and then we got really good. And then we had a down sp- spot and then we got really, really good again. And our last year coaching there, we were, I was 10 and 0. And um, you, you know what people hated most about it? Folks, listen, this is really critical. You understand this. Okay. The Bible says that where there's unity, unity, not uniformity, not marching like little tin soldiers, where there's unity, God commands the blessing. And by unity, I mean this. If I have a problem that's going on with, well, it could be at Sky High, it could be past assault ministry, it could be whatever. I know this. The Bible tells us that in the multitude of many counselors is great wisdom. And I know this, that I could pick up the phone and I could say, hey, I need five of you guys to come up here this next weekend, whoever it would be. I'd, no, I don't have my, yeah, I have my favorites. We all have our favorites. Why? Because I know them better, right? So I could make a phone call and I know that five guys would show up here, maybe some girls, whatever. Five people would show up here next Saturday. If I said I needed help, they would show up. And you know what they would do? They would give me great advice. They wouldn't give me selfish advice. They They wouldn't, they wouldn't. I said, look, dudes, I got this going on and I want to do this and I want to do this and I want to do this. What what do you guys think? And I'm going to tell you something. I know that there are many in the queue, many in the queue that I could put in that circle and they would do what they felt was right for me in the ministry. Do you have any idea how rare that is? You really have any idea how rare that is? That people would come and they would actually lay down their time and their life to actually advance a project that isn't even their project. That's where the kingdom of God is supposed to be, folks. That's the way it's supposed to be. Amen. Because the average question that we all ask ourselves, all of us, it, it's our it's our sin nature. The obvious question we all ask whenever anything is put before us. Are you ready? Here's the question. 
what's in it for me? Somebody say amen. Amen. What's in it for me? And that's, that's, our, that's, that's the natural man nature. That's okay. That's okay. When that really shouldn't be our attitude, should it? Our attitude should be, if the kingdom is being advanced, who cares what's in it for me? How can I help? And I can run, I can run down a litany. I, I, you know, I'm not trying to say this to butter anybody, but Steve Dex, Steve Dex is going to be here in Ohio. He's going to go to the conference this week. The stuff he's been doing to help us get sky high ready. What, what's in it for Steve Deck? What, what's, what's in it? He gets a, gets a nice meal cooked by my wife. That's what he gets out of it. What's in it for him? Nothing other than he sees an opportunity to expand the kingdom. And he enjoys expanding the kingdom. And he enjoys taking his, his skill set and expanding the kingdom. Now, the question we have to look at, why is Christianity so messed up? Well, it's simple. That is not the attitude of the church. Boom. That is not the Ooh. attitude of the church. We, those who are leading the church... I don't know. I don't look, folks. I'm hard on pastors. We can't win without them. We can't win without good pastors. So I'm not here to beat up on them. I'm here to coach them and say, come on, dude. Come look, you got that group over there. Come on, man. Come on. This is about advancing a kingdom. It's not about who gets credit, whose name's on the marquee. Not about any of that. You die to yourself. It's hard to do, man. It's hard to do. It's hard to do. The older I get, can I be honest with you? The older I get, the easier it is. The older I get, the less I give out two hoots about what you guys think. Not that I'm arrogant, but I, I know this. I know that the vision the Lord has given me and what has to be done and team building is nothing more than sharing the vision. And people come along and say, okay, uh, how can I help here? What skill set do I have? And Bob Evans says, well, coach, I can fix things and I can build things. I said, dude, come on, come on. Bob Evans, I'm not bragging about Betty Perkins. I could go, I could run down. I, never one time have they said to me when I asked for, I didn't even specifically ask them for help. But if I made a general appeal for help, they never once asked me uh, what's in it for me. Uh, will you buy my gas, coach? Will you put me up in a hotel? Never one time. Because they saw probably many of them for the first times in their lives, they saw the opportunity to be part of advancing the kingdom. That's the way I read it. They don't care what's in it for them. Well, what's in it for them is the satisfaction of having been part of building the kingdom. That, that's all. And for the first time, you mean my skill set can work there? Holy smoke, I'm in. Let me in. And I was I was thinking about I was thinking about old um, buddy Dave up there in Michigan coming down there bringing his guitar and why he drove all the way down there four and a half hours or however far he came down there his, his guitar and we make that video and I'm thinking, golly, man, oh man, what would make him come down there? Well, I know what it was. He wants to expand the kingdom. <laughs> he wants to bring his skill set and expand the kingdom. And it goes to every, every, so in an odd sort of way, I don't have to say thank you because really, this sounds awful. I've given you a place to bloom, man. 
I've, gi I've given you a place to plug in. <laughs> Truth be told, you ought to be thanking me, right? I mean, I don't, I don't mean it that way. You get what I'm saying, right? And uh, the, the, the Bible says that can two walk together lest they agree? And the problem we have in America, can you tell me, really, when it gets right down to it, what is it that Christians agree on? We're all defined by our differences. Well, I believe in this and I don't believe in that. And you believe in this and you don't believe in that. And I'm sorry I can't fellowship with you because you don't believe in that same way that I've Easy, Kramer. You guys would never make it as a football coach. You'd never, ever make it. Because the idea of a mo being a football coach is to bring these people together with all these different uh, uh, skill sets and ideas and plans and, yeah, selfish desires, whatever, to bring them all together into one spot and say, listen, boys, here's where we're going. Are you in or not? Are you going to get on the bandwagon or are you not? Because, look, I love you to death but I ain't got time to rub your back all the time. And I don't have time to tell you what a brave soldier you are. Look, dudes, get in. Let's all paddle the same direction. And let's see where we are when the game's over here on, on Friday night. If we won, good. Then we'll go back and we'll, we'll make another good plan. And we'll get in that canoe and we'll paddle again next week. But if you think that this is about you, and if you think this is about you getting glory and honor and recognition, dude, this – this thing ain't going to, are you, anybody picking up what I'm laying, laying down out there? And, and the magic, Ooh. magic, I think, of what's going on here is why, why how, how many out there, you don't have to raise your hand, but you can if you want to. How many of you out there said, uh, Coach, I got people telling me all the time that, that it's a cult. You guys are in a cult. Huh? You're following that Coach Dave. You guys are in it. No, no, no. We have cast a clear vision. And the Bible says where there's no vision, the people perish. And perish doesn't mean to die. Perish means to run around without restraint. Go from here to here to here to here to here, never getting anything done because you don't know where don't know where you're going. And so I just want to uh, I just want to encourage all of you out there, if it's, that's even possible, that that what's going on is is pretty from our standpoint, from my standpoint, it's pretty amazing to watch. And uh, even those of you who don't do anything, it's scoop up the dog poop after the horses come through. It all matters, man. It all matters. And uh, during the course of a football game, whenever it is, I don't have time to, I don't always have the time to pull the player over in the midst of the game and tell him how proud I am with him and what a great job he is. Because you know what? The player knows this. I'm trying to win too. I got the same goal he's got. So what's our goal? What's our goal? What is the American goal? Anybody know? What is it? Republican, Democrat, conservative, liberal, old, young, everywhere you look, division, division. There's division even within our own teams. Republicans can't even agree. That's why we have to understand that at the basis of every plan we make has to be the will of God. If the will of God is not in it, it ain't going to work, baby. It just isn't going to work. And, and that's, I think that's what that's what we're dealing with here, right? Can two walk together, lest they agree? I got some good stuff I want to sh I'm going to show you today. I want to talk about. I'm uh, I'm excited. Our numbers are starting to pick up for this weekend coming up this weekend. Get in here, man. Get in here, and you say, "Ah, oh, coach, you know, uh, why would I want to?" Well, again, there you go. There you go. 
Is it about you? If the only reason you're going to come is because you're getting something out of it, once again, you miss the whole point. <laughs> you miss the whole point. Oh, my goodness. Hey, Coach, can I say something? Yeah, sure, Bobby. Yeah, all right. Listen, this is the best event. This is one of the best events in the country right Amen. now. There's no reason. There is no reason. This is the it's headlining amazing. event. There's no reason, it's like Coach said, that there shouldn't be 500 people there. Now, it's it's far too late for those that want to go to the Creation Museum. That, that, that boat has sailed for free and half off tickets. And not all of them were used. Uh, there was a, a slow response. People didn't get back to me. Not all of them were used. So understand, that's over. You're going to have to pay on your own. But this is the headlining event in the country. There's no reason not to go. Hey, man, Bobby. I, I, hey, we're having it, man. We're, we're doing it no matter, no matter what. And the p- way people stepped up in the willingness of Dr. Kerry Mabe to get in a car with Casper and his wife and drive all the way up here. You know, work with resistance. Dr. Sherry Tenpenny. Huh? Tom, Tom Renz, Tom Renz, this is crazy, man. He's coming down Friday night. He can't even stay Friday night. He's doing his presentation Friday night. He can't even stay all night. He's got to get home the next day to fly out someplace else. The sacrifice these people are making to come, it's, it's, it's pretty amazing. So, look, I'm not trying to make anybody feel guilty. Please don't. If you're feeling guilty, not trying, because I know some of you can't get there. I understand family life and schedule. I get it. I get it. Man, share this. Share this with your friends. This thing is. Uh, it's going to be really good. And as I said yesterday on, on my Brideon show, you're going to get Sherry Tenpenny's going to talk to you for an hour, and then going to take questions and answers for an hour. And Renz is going to talk to you for an hour, and then he's going to take questions for an hour. Hey, uh, I'm not an attorney. I know one. What would an hour with Tom Renz? If you had to pay Tom Renz to sit down and ask him some questions, legal questions, about what? COVID and also what that what would that cost? And you mean to tell me for thirty nine dollars you can come and actually talk to Tom Renz? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm telling you that you can. So uh, you know, there's a lot of re- I, I look. I didn't mean to come on here today to promote this. That's, I really didn't. I, I I wanted to encourage some of you because look, road ain't easy, baby. It ain't easy, and I know the degree to which some of you are facing opposition in your own family. That you want to go deeper and do more. And the oppositions you're facing, I feel it. I know it. So I want to encourage you, man. I just I just want to encourage you that uh, this isn't about me. It's about a vision. Where there's no vision, the people perish. If you can't cast a vision, can I tell you a real quick story? I'm sure I can. i got so much I want to show you. Uh, when I went to London High School in uh, 1989, they hadn't, they hadn't been, that's a long time ago. And it, London hadn't been very good for, for like forever. Long time. Hadn't been any good. And I went in that first year and I saw what was going on. I saw exactly what I'm talking to you about. That there was no unity. There was no vision. There was no self-sacrifice. There was, there was none of it. None. And that we went uh, two and eight my first year there. And I began to identify during the season, I identified what the problems were. I could see why we weren't winning. We had the skill, the physical bodies to do it. But golly. We like 10 different denominations on our football team. <laughs> Not religious denominations, but they were, right? Everybody had their own dream of what they wanted to get out of it. And during the off season, I went down to a woodworking department. I went to the, uh, went to the old guy, ran the woodworking department, said, I need you to make me a sign. 
said, sure, coach, what can I do for you? I said, I want you to put on a sign, Massillon, 186 miles. Massillon, 186 miles. So I showed him how to spell it and all of that. And next day, he made me a little a wooden thing, card painted real nice, Massillon, 186 miles. And I took that thing and I went down in the locker room. When you walked in the locker room at London High School, when you looked up, the first thing you saw was a sign that said Maslin, 186 miles. And kids would come in there. They'd be coming in for practice that first day. I'll never forget it. They came walking in. They'd walk in the door, and the sign was up above the door, and they'd look up there, and there's this new sign, Maslin, 186 miles. And they'd come in. They'd, they'd stick their head in the office door. I'd be sitting there doing some work. They'd say, Coach, what's that sign? So that's where we're going. So what? That's where we're going. We're going to Massillon. I said, well, why are we going to Massillon? Dude, that's where the state championships are played. And that's where we're going. Huh? That's vision casting. Do you get it? And every day when they walked in that locker room, what they do? They looked up there, Massillon, 186 miles. Still touches me. And we made it one game from there. We, we were championships played in Massillon. We were one of the final four, and we got beat on that last game before our, our tailback broke his collar. Mom, game was over. We didn't make it to Massillon. But the idea was what? Everybody in that locker room knew that's where we were going. And I told the seniors, I told the leaders of the football team, I got them together at the beginning of the year. You always do that with your seniors. Say, look, dude, this is your, this is your senior year. This is your senior year. And I understand how important this is, right? But can I tell you something? You need to right now focus on Maslin 186 miles because we may not get there this year, but we're going there. And your job is to help those guys, those freshmen and sophomores on the team. you got to help them get to Massillon. You see it? You see the picture? This is, what this, this is what this whole thing is supposed to be about, empowering you to advance the kingdom. Wherever you are, whatever you do, huh? what's, what's the goal? Massillon, 186 miles, baby. And every day when I come in here, that's my attitude. Where are we going? Massillon, 186 miles. And I'm not, going to, I'm not going to get distracted by anything along the way about the nice burger joints that might be along there, the bars that I could stop by and visit and uh, the places I could go and rest and have a vacation. No, I'm heading to Massillon. So what's our Massillon? What's your Massillon? Because see, if your Massillon is different than my Massillon, well, we're never going to get there. <laughs> we're, never, we're never going to get there. I'm into advancing a kingdom. That's what I want to do. I want to advance a kingdom. And when I advance the kingdom, as far as the Lord's going to allow me to carry that torch, when I, when my light goes out, my torch ain't going out. And John F. Kennedy in 1961, when he gave, uh, gave his inaugural address in 1961, some of you probably remember, he said, the torch has been passed to a new generation. You remember, guys? You guys remember that? Torch has been passed to a new generation of Americans. Dudes, we got a torch to pass. 
We have a torch to pass. And if we don't understand it, and if we don't understand that we have an obligation to take what has been given to us and hand it on to the next generation, we're going we're gonna to lose it. We're going to lose it. Amen. And the only thing that is going to counter the evil that we see is the light of the gospel of the kingdom of God. It is the only thing that's going to cancel that or conquer that. And my heart every day is trying to get the church and Christians involved to do that, to pass that torch. But see, hey, can I tell you the truth? Most pastors, they ain't interested in doing that because they're going to get out of here. They ain't going to be around here. Why the hell would they teach it to the next generation? We'll be out of here. It's about over. Hmm? Don't mix politics with religion. Don't do what if Ben Franklin and the boys had said that way? Let's not mix politics with religion. That's not, hey, what if the pilgrims had said that? So I still see that as to where we're going. That's going on for 21 minutes. First day of spring. <laughs> huh? All things dawn, all things become new today, right? So um, I just thank you for it, man. I want to play something real quickly and then I'm gonna gonna open it up. Uh, is it Spencer? I didn't even take time to see who was in there today. Is it Spencer? Yeah, Spencer, pull up, uh, pull up that number one thing here, brother. Just sit back, folks, and let this, let this get inside of you. Quest. Quest. What does that mean, quest? It is the mission of each true knight. Ah, his duty lay his privilege to dream. The impossible dream. <laughs> to fight the unbeatable foe. To bear with unbearable sorrow. To run where the brave dare not go. To right the unrightable wrong. To love pure and chaste from afar To try when your arms are too weary To reach the unreachable star This is my quest To follow that star No matter how hopeless no matter how far to fight for the right Without question or pause To be willing to march into hell For a heavenly cause And I know if I'll only be true To this glorious quest That my heart Will lie peaceful and calm when I'm laid to my rest, and the world will be better for this. That one man scorned and covered with scars still strove with his last ounce of courage to reach. The unreachable stars 
Without question or pause To be willing to march into hell For a heavenly cause And I know if I'll only be true To this glorious quest That my heart will lie peaceful and calm When I'm laid to my Still strove with his last ounce of courage to reach the unreachable star. Massillon, 186 miles. If you don't know where you're going, how do you know when you get there? Hmm? If you don't know where you're going, how do you know when you get there? Come on, Julie. Amen, Coach. Wow. Um, probably about two years ago, right before I got with you guys, I was going to church tonight. God put on my heart to adopt a family for Christmas. Well, I brought it to the pastor, and they basically said, well, if we do it for one, we have to do it for all. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. So two or three of us in the church got together, and we got a hold of the, the local police officer, and he told us who was in need. So we just took it upon ourselves to go and bless that family because, like, there again, you know, we are about advancing the kingdom. Not our church. Amen. 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 It is, folks. Is is really is the church really just about personal salvation? Now that I'm saved, now that I'm on the team, now what? Now what? I'll just sit there, sit there and be happy and live a good life. Just sit there. That that wouldn't work in football. Wouldn't work in an army. Wouldn't work in the Marines. Why, does, why, why do we think that that would work in Christianity? And see, that's why people don't want you to watch. Can I tell you why? Oh, my goodness. Because your faith is growing beyond that of your leaders. Somebody say amen. Boom. Huh? Amen. Your faith is growing greater than those who are in positions of authority over you, and it makes them uncomfortable. What's that old saying, Coach? Don't bite his puppies, they don't bite his dogs. Jeff, come on in and kneel. Coach, you, you're kind of nailing it here this morning. Last night, I got, I don't know if you want to call it the opportunity or the honor or whatever you want to call it. And I'm sitting here on the phone about 8.30 talking to Pastor Bill. 
and he's sharing with me. And uh, Mary Jane comes in and gives me a message. Uh, right away, I just told Pastor Bill, I said, I got to go. My stepdad just passed away a few minutes ago. Mm. So my daughter had called me. She's like, Dad, I need you out here ASAP. So I go out, and there's the whole, you know, all of them that don't ever want to hear anything from me. And even my mom that a few years ago at Thanksgiving told me one time in front of the whole crowd, don't you dare start preaching. <laughs> And I walk in there, and they're, they're all sitting there in the kitchen in the dining room. I looked at them all. I said, where's mom? She said, she's back there with Clyde. And he's laying in the bed because he had just died. Corner. They're wow. waiting in the corner to get there. So one of my nieces looked at me, and she said, just kind of whispered. Everybody sitting there said, will you go pray with grandma? <laughs> it's okay to pray when he's dead, huh, Jeff? <laughs> I said, I'm going. I walked back there. And Mom's just sitting beside him. She's not really crying and freaking out or nothing. She's just touching him, just check, looking at him. You know what I mean? So I got to share with her, you know, just the man he was. And I told her, I said, you know, I was out here two weeks ago. Clyde had his coveralls on and his boots on, walking around the house. And the jab is what took him out. Hmm. Three or four years ago, they told him he was so healthy for his age at 82 or whatever they did a surgery on his brain that they wouldn't do it. A guy's age, that age, he was so healthy. He took that jab and it just took him down. Mm. I mean, it was horrible lately what he was going through. And so I told mom, I said, you know, mom, I give her the scripture. better is one's death than one's birth. I explained amen, it. Amen, amen. And I said, you know, mom, I think of that old country song. He went out with his boots on right here on his 220 acre farm. Didn't have to go to rest home. Didn't have to go to hospital. He went to hospital a couple of times. They strapped him down because he was just getting off the hook. <laughs> so she enjoyed that. And she laughed. She said, yep, he went out with his boots on. I said, amen. <laughs> amen. amen. And I said, amen. you know, he come rescued you when we were t- kids. My dad and mom got divorced. And I said, that man right there, the integrity and the morals and the stuff he has, there ain't too many men like him. <laughs> He was saved. Him and mom went to church. And, but I said, you know, he came in when I was, I think, 13. My mom's life was trashed. I said, you were in the pit. And that man came in and rescued you, a woman with four kids. They've been together now for like 52 years. But he treated her like a queen. Queen, You know what I mean? It was a good man. So then I got to go out and hang out with everybody out in the dining room. And corners came and they rode him out on the little gurney and Took him out in the garage there, getting ready to load him. And then they asked me again. I said, Uncle Jeff, you want to pray for everybody? So I got to go out and stand at the back of the corner. And I didn't have to wait on a pastor. And they all oh. accept. You know what I mean? Yeah, so amen. Amen. It was a great night. I just wanted to share that with you. But wow. it was good. So, so, Jeff, it says, let your light so shine before men. So, folks, yep. there's, there's, I don't know if you know there's a lesson there. There's a lesson there, isn't there? That in death, people run to the light. Uh-uh. It's not. It was now okay for Jeff to pray. It's okay now. Not okay to pray while you're alive. No, not not okay. Right, right. So if we're expanding the kingdom, uh, gotta let your light shine. Sorry to hear that he passed, Jeff. I mean, what one more can you say, man? Neil, the Holy Spirit gives you that nudge who uh, do something to further God's kingdom, you're always apprehensive. Yeah. But after you do it long enough, you 
you start to not consider the cost of what are what is going to happen if you continue to do this and after a while you start to block out any of the negatives that the devil is throwing at you Amen. and as you do it and do it and do it it's so much easier to see the blessings in your life now people might think i'm crazy but a blessing is going out to your car when it's below zero it's a 20 year old car and it starts right up a blessing is a thick blanket on the bed is a furnace that's functioning properly all those little blessings and then all of a sudden the good lord will land a blessing that is incomprehensible to you in your lap and all you can think to you, you humble yourself, and all you can think to yourself is, Lord, I'm not worthy. And he says, yes, you're furthering my kingdom. I can bless you in this, in this great Amen way. On it. Amen, Neil. Amen. And folks, I want you to think about this. Uh, uh, everywhere you go, you carry the Lord with you, right? So I want you to ask yourself how many places you've been in the last, even the last week. And uh, you went in. And you didn't want to upset anybody. You didn't want to, yeah, you know, Jeff's always talking about religion. So so you didn't do that. You kept your mouth shut. And imagine if you went and you got back in your car and on the way home, the Holy Spirit made himself real and was sitting beside you there in the car. And you're driving down the road and you're having a conversation with the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit said, hey, that was was nice being in there, meeting all all your friends. And uh, boy, now I know them a little bit better. And then the Holy Spirit leans over to you and says, uh, hey, Betty. I'm just curious. Why didn't you introduce me to him? Huh? You were there with him and you never even mentioned him? This guy that's hanging out with it? You never even mentioned it to everybody else? Well, you didn't want to mention him because why? You were afraid what the reaction was going to be. I bet you if you walked into a party with LeBron James with you, I bet you'd introduce him to everybody, wouldn't you? Here's my buddy LeBron James here. Hey, have you guys met LeBron? Hmm? We ought to take that to heart, man. Because you know what Jeff Klein just told us? They, they saw the light. They just avoided it. They see his light. Roger. Dave, I think of uh, Judges 11. Judges 11, and I've shared with you over the years the biblical accounting of Jephthah. Father was Gilead, married, had a prostitute. He was born. Uh, They kicked him out, threw him out. He wandered. And eventually Israel said, we need you. Hmm. That's what's going to happen. It is. Uh, Jeff Jeff Klein's story is a modern day Judges 11. Hmm. When the crap hits the fan, as it starts seeing to hit, they're going to come to us, and we all need to be prepared for that. Amen, dude. It's, it's going to be all of us. People are going to be searching for answers. They're going to come and say, please come help us take mm. on the enemy. And in Jephthah's case, in Jephthah's case is Judge 11. It was the Amorites, and he went to battle, destroyed them, and was lifted up then. So I, Amen, I, think, that's Roger. Gonna, I think that's going to happen to a lot of us. They're well, going to come searching and seeking us. They, they want to meet that guy that you know, right? Mm-hmm. It's like Ohio Brett. I don't know if he's out there right now. Do you have any idea the people that Ohio Brett now knows because he's been traveling the country? Do you ever, do you ever understand how often, how tempting it is to say, hey, Brett, you introduced me to Michael Flynn, right? 
And do you understand that in the spiritual sense, people are going to be coming to you and say, uh, can you introduce me to that Jesus guy? With me? With me? That's advancing the kingdom. That's building a kingdom. That's what that's all about. But we've been they've been telling us that put it in your pocket, shut up, and don't tell anybody. Hey, coach. Don't make Ohio waves. Brett checking in. Coach, <laughs> Ohio Brett checking in, and it's only because you put that sign up. Show me to Jesus. I get my coaching from you and this team that I'm around. I love you, team. But you know what? How many miles get coached the last one? Let's go, baby. 186, baby. 186. And 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 we were we were right there, man. We were we still haunts me. In fact, I, I remember Brett. I was um, we got beat by Clyde. How, how would you like to lose a game to Clyde? <laughs> when we got beat out of out of the tournament, Clyde beat us. Well, who'd you play, Clyde? Oh, hells, bells. Well, well, Clyde beat us. They were pretty good. They, they beat us. But I remember standing there as the clock's running down. Obviously, we're not going to Maslin this year. You have any idea how hard it is to get there? One step away? You have any idea how hard it is? And I'm standing there as the clock's running down, and I'm thinking, Lord, I don't get it, man. We're this close, and we don't get to go? And now I got to go through a, another winter of weightlifting and summer conditioning and checking grades on kids and making sure they're eligible and another August two-a-day practice and, and three scrimmages and 10 regular season games and three playoff games just to get where I'm standing now? Why couldn't I do it now? Never got an answer. But look, it's about striving for the goal. What do you do once you've reached it? It's about striving for it. And uh, don't ever don't ever let that get out of your heart. It's about the journey. Certainly you have the goal, but it's about the journey. Myra, come on in then, Betty. Yes, uh, Coach, thank you. Uh, Brother Martin shared a Bible verse with me in regard to unity. Ephesians 4, 1, 2, 3. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that ye walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called, with all loneliness and meekness, with long suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Hallelujah. Amen. I'm going to tell you something. Nothing worth, Woody Hayes, nothing worth having ever comes easy. Expanding the kingdom of God is not supposed to be easy. It's supposed to be hard. Betty. Yes, um, great show. Uh, Yesterday, I just want to say a really quick testimony. You know, I've been giving out these uh, challenge coins, Armor of God. Mm-hmm. For about four or five years, that was before you coach, <laughs> but you have increased it, the total meaning of it, 
between everybody on here. So yesterday when I went to Sam's Club, I had this kid that was used to be on my bus. And I told him, geez, I need a stepladder to give you a hug because he's like six, seven. And I says, do you remember me? And I says, you were used to be on my bus. And he said, yes. And we were just kind of reminiscing, you know, talking and reminiscing back and forth. And, and he says, oh, I, and he's in his 30s. And he yeah. says that he had a stroke yeah. and he had a hole yeah. in his heart. And so he can he can't drive his truck now until he gets a doctor approval that he can go back to work. But he's 30, 30, but he's like 30 years old. And I says, um, well, I said, do you remember that I used to give candy out to the kids on the bus and pop? And I got in trouble for the candy. And then I got trouble for the pop. And but I went overseas. I always got them a little something, you know, not to brag, but it was just my little thing for the kids because I just love kids. And he says, oh, yeah. He says, well, would you believe I got something? Good girl. You know? And so he, I says, uh, do you love the Lord? He says, oh, yeah. I said, hey, here's this challenge coin. Do you mind if I pray over you? Mm-hmm. I was shocked because he was so young and he was willing right there at Sam's Club to let me pray over him. You know, and so when I went around the corner, you know, I kind of just looked over my shoulder and he was still looking at that challenge coin. He was just like, wow. So, you know, I thank you. I've only been with you not even two years next month, but you have made me humbled more. You have made me braver and courageous. I'm just not a wimp like I used to be. Amen. Well, but it's Holy Spirit in me. Amen. (laughs) Thank you, sir. It's amen. Amen. It's Holy Spirit. So in other words, you introduced your friend to Jesus. Oh, I take this guy with me everywhere. Have you met my friend Jesus? Oh, yeah, but oh, y'all too. Roger, come on in. Yeah, Coach. I I remember years ago, I was working on a job on the, I went on a, on the third shift on a machine, and the guy that was on the second shift working that machine, I had talked to him uh, a lot over a week or so as I as uh, he came to work on that machine. Well, one day the Lord put it on my heart to, to witness to him. It was on a Friday and uh, something, some stuff happened and I didn't get to do it. Well, that weekend he got into a domestic with his wife, got thrown in jail. Mm. And he, he hung himself. Oh. And that was a last chance. <clears throat> it may have been the last chance he had a chance to hear. You know? Amen. You never know, do you? Huh? That has resonated with me ever since. So was, when, when the Lord puts it in your heart to do something, do it, you know. Amen. You never know when that's the last chance, <clears throat> you know. So, so, Roger, it's a simple question, not for you, pardon me. <clears throat> what, would be, what would the world be like if we actually taught and enforced to our children, all children, don't lie, don't steal, don't commit adultery, don't covet, and don't, what's the other one I'm missing? What if we just, what if we universally taught those values to everyone? How many, how many of the problems that we have in this country would disappear if we just taught those? Not, not religion, not religion. And see, they've told us that there's a separation between the church and the state because why? They understand that those universal moral values will bring peace. He's the prince of peace. They don't want peace. Got to show you this real quick before I forget it. 
pull up number seven for me. Oh yeah, my dog's barking up there, my son. My granddaughter stayed here last night. Did you guys? Did you guys ever see this? Look at this. Look at this. There's a bill pending in Israel that would criminalize talking about Jesus in person, online, in print, and by mail. Two years prison term. The the government of Israel. Oh yeah, that, yeah, that government of Israel. Yes, yes. Christian leaders are urging Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu to stop a bill pending in the Israeli Knesset that would make it a crime to tell cheap people about Jesus inside Israel. Huh? Huh? Why? Because he is the Prince of Peace, right? <laughs> huh? What would the devil do if everything was under the God headship, lordship of Christ? Isn't that what it's supposed to be? If the, everything was under the headship and lordship of Christ, devil would be out of a job, wouldn't he? He'd be out of a job. Now, I, I don't want to go there, but you better you better wake up and understand this, that those people, oh, Lord, I almost said yes, they hate Christ. Do you understand, friends, that there are people and elements in our government? Are you looking at me? They hate Christ. Damn. They hate Christ. Boom. Until we figure it out. We're going to let him continue to roll over. Joe Allen, come on in. Then uh, then Angie. Yeah, I want to give a shout out to Betty there. That coin, Betty, is in my front pocket, my ready bag when shit Mm. hits the fan. Every time I go out the door, that bag's on my back. Y'all better get ready. (laughs) Amen. Amen. Angie. And you know why that legislation came up? There is a huge messianic movement occurring uh-huh. in Israel right now. Uh, so this like. is, I, I, it's just a symbol to me. It's a sign that, that the, uh, the land of Israel, the home of the Messiah, is being infiltrated by messianics and Christ, yeah. you know, the Christians. Um, to, and, and they're having a wonderful effect. It is a huge movement, and they're, that's what they're trying to stop is this conversion of Jews, secular Jews and Arabic into the Messianic world. And so uh, it's Amen. kind of interesting to see that. Uh, but that's uh, just another testimony and, and uh, another reason to continue to pray for Israel. Amen. Amen. Hey, folks, God's getting ready to do something in our midst, too. We, we don't, we don't uh, see, look, we think we're righteous. We think most people think they're going to heaven because they're Americans, right? <laughs> God bless America. Christians in America don't get it. Non-Christians in America don't get it. It's time to, excuse me, legalize Jesus again. Legalize Jesus. Jack, then Roger. The only reason that bill isn't in our legislature Mm. is because they don't want to show their hand. But there is a move, and it could happen tomorrow. And it's easy to get it passed in, in wimpy states like Maine. That's where you would start something like that because the way that they've messed with our legal system, they could pass. I could make Christianity illegal in Maine with about half a million bucks. Yeah. Nothing to it. And the, huh? It's coming, baby. It's all good, right? It's all good. Roger. Oh, Dave, I was just going to flash back 
football thing, and I'll try to tie it into your conversation. But I remember when you were going through some of your crap out there, <laughs> you guys were 10 and 0, and New Richmond came into town. And I don't know if you remember, but uh, are you kidding? <laughs> New, New Richmond was, uh, you were supposed to beat New Richmond, it wasn't supposed to be close. And I remember outside the locker room where, you know, you gave me the freedom to go in sometimes. I was enjoying that. And I remember looking over at New Richmond's football team. They were out in the field under this light. Mm-hmm. And they were praying. Yeah. And I remember the game was over then. You were, yeah. They were fighting you tooth and nail about your faith. Yeah. And New Richmond was over. They were like four or 500 feet away in the, underneath this light. And they were gathered in prayer. Mm. Um, and I just remember that. So I don't know what, what, a, what a picture sport, that was, but... folks. We got sued by the ACLU. It was, 19... yeah. <clears throat> it was 1999. We got sued by the ACLU. We make it into the playoffs. We're the top seed in the playoffs. And they're giving me all kinds of hell about praying with our team, yada, yada, yada. And media's constantly around. And uh, it's like I'm, uh, you know, performing child molestation or something. And we come out of the locker room. We're getting ready to go out on onto the field. And over on the edge of the field was the new Richmond Richmond team, the team we were playing. They were, we were 10 and 0, they were seven and three. We should beat the snot out of them. And as we're going out on the field, I look over there and they are in a huddle so tight praying. Someone up and down my spine. And it was, you know what it was? You think the Lord was going to honor a school that rejected Christ like that? Wait, hang on. Christians, hmm? Christians rejecting prayer on the field. Part, part of the battle was, part of the war was led by a Presbyterian pastor in town, if you can believe that one. Oh, yeah. Dave, Dave, I'll build on that quickly. <laughs> Others, um, London has never been the same since they kicked Christ out. Never right. has been the same. It's Amen. There's something there too, brother. There's something, there's something there too, for sure. Amen. Hey, I'm going to show you a couple things rather than just emotion stuff here. This is really, this really, I almost said a bad word. Number two, pull that up there. <clears throat> I, I talked to Jeff. I also uh, sent this to Pastor Bill yesterday. We're going, we're going to, uh, I'm going to J6 here again. Also, number two there, Spence, if you could. Is he asleep? Is he awake? There you go. There, I got it. Yeah, he was he was over there daydreaming or something. Pull number two up. Here, did you guys know this? Of course, I didn't know this. Did you know? Scroll, scroll down, Spencer. Did you know that there were permits granted to be on the on the Capitol grounds? Scroll on down. They'll show you the map, Spence. There's the map. Did you know that there were about ten or fifteen different groups who had filed uh, permits? to be on the Capitol grounds that day. And do you know if you have a permit to be on the Capitol grounds, I don't know if you know this or not, um, you're allowed to be on the Capitol grounds. So all of these people, see if it scrolls down here, Spencer, see if it shows us. Look, look, at, the, look at the groups, look there, right there. Can you make that any bigger? January 5th, there are some people who'd signed, showed where they were allowed to be, permits, one Nation Under God rally, Save the Republic rally, Jericho March, Prayer Walk. That was the day before. Scroll on down, Spence. The day up, January 6th, Freedom Rally from 10 to 4. They had a permit to be on the grounds. 
wild protest, whatever that was, from 10 to 5. We, the people, must take to the U.S. Capitol on steps and tell Congress they had a permit. They had a Jericho March permit. They had a March for Trump permit and others. They had a permit. Look at this. Look at the list of, keep going. Look at the list of permits they had to be on the Capitol grounds. And I said to Pastor Bill when I sent it to him yesterday, he says, Coach, that's all good, but none of that matters in Washington. Look at those. Look at that. Did you guys know that? The permits. They went and filed permits to be on the Capitol grounds. Look, look, hey, slow down a minute, Spence. Act, right there, Trump MAGA rally. Where? Time, 8 to 2, 23.55. Where? D.C. Purpose, protest. Next one, where was 8 to 1? Where? On the National Mall. Next one, where? At Washington, D.C., fight for Trump. Next one, Freedom Plaza. Oh, really? Next one, huh? Huh? Where? 213 Pennsylvania Avenue. They had permits to be there. On and on and on. Look at this. Legalize Jesus, baby. <laughs> That's what I say. Legalize Jesus. Okay, now I'm going to show you another clip here. Go to number eight. I'm going to start showing you maybe just uh, uh, clips of this. This is this is really really a powerful video. I talked about it yesterday. Mass psychosis. I want you to put it in about the two two minute and thirty second part. Because remember, psychosis, right? And for, for lack of a better uh, explanation, excuse me. Psychosis means that you're almost incapable of believing the truth. That you are so, goes back to first truth, right? You are so convinced this is right that, yeah, that it, it doesn't even matter how ridiculous it is. Sort of, sort of like they could say that you could put on a woman's dress and put makeup on and call yourself a woman. That, that would be psychosis. And then the psychosis is we believe it, all right? So this is just another example of how this psychosis works. And again, it's in this same video called Mass Psychosis, How an Entire Population Becomes Mentally Ill. Go ahead and play that segment. This is starting at the 2 minute 30 second mark. Go ahead. ...turned itself out. When a mass psychosis occurs, the results are devastating. Jung studied this phenomenon and wrote that the individuals who make up the infected society Listen. become morally and spiritually inferior. They sink unconsciously to an inferior intellectual level. They Stop become more unreasonable. Listen, when the mass psychosis hits, morality goes out the window. Do you understand that? And they sink to a level of barbarism and almost debauchery that can't be explained by anything other than more unreasonable, irresponsible, emotional, erratic, and unreliable. Now, somebody tell me that's not the American left. Go ahead irresponsible, emotional, erratic, and unreliable, and worst of all, crimes the individual alone could never stand are freely committed by the group smitten by madness. What makes matters worse is that those suffering from a mass psychosis are unaware of what is occurring. For just as an individual gone mad cannot step out of his mind to observe the errors in his ways, so too there is no Archimedean point from which those living through a mass psychosis can observe their collective madness. But what causes a mass psychosis? To answer this question, we must first explore what drives an individual mad. While there are many potential triggers of madness, such as an excessive use of drugs or alcohol, brain injuries, and other illnesses, these physical causes will not concern us here. 
Our concern is with psychological, or what are called psychogenic triggers, as these are the most common culprits of the mass psychosis. The most prevalent psychogenic cause of a psychosis is a flood of negative emotions, such as fear or anxiety, that drives an individual into a state of panic. When in a state of panic, an individual will naturally seek relief, as it is too mentally and physically draining to subsist in this hyper-emotional state. While escaping from the state of panic can be accomplished through adaptive means, such as facing up to and defeating the fear-generating threat, another way to escape is to undergo a psychotic break. A psychotic break is not a descent into a state of greater disorder, as many believe, but a reordering of one's experiential world, which blends fact and fiction, or delusions and reality, in a way that helps end the feelings of panic. Silvano Arietti, one of the 20th century's foremost authorities on schizophrenia, explains the psychogenic steps that lead to madness. Firstly, there is the phase of panic, when the patient starts to perceive things in a different way, is frightened on account of it, appears confused, and does not know how to explain the strange things that are happening. The next step is what Ariadne calls a phase of psychotic insight, whereby an individual succeeds in putting things together by devising a pathological way of seeing reality which allows him to explain his abnormal experiences. The phenomenon is called insight because the patient finally sees meaning and relations in his experiences. But the insight is psychotic because it is based on delusions, not on adaptive and life-promoting ways of relating to whatever threats precipitated the panic. The delusions, in other words, allow the panic-stricken individual to escape from the flood of negative emotions, but at the cost of losing touch with reality, and for this reason, Arietti says that a psychotic break can be viewed as an abnormal way of dealing with an extreme state of anxiety. If a panic-triggering flood of negative emotions in a weak and vulnerable individual can trigger a psychotic break, then a mass psychosis can result when a population of weak and vulnerable individuals is driven into a state of panic by threats real, imagined, or fabricated. You can stop right but there, del- dude. Huh? Is that, is that it, folks? Is that it? Huh? Weak-minded. That's why we're taught that we need to have the mind of Christ. And that's why you have to realize that you are a freak because you're you're level-minded you are firm in what you believe and you will not be pulled aside by every whim and fear and situation that comes down but most of the people that you are dealing with are totally completely controlled by their environment you you guys see what's going on see what's going on and the number one motivating factor is what fear fear and so they throw as much fear as they can. Look at these folks. Look at that picture there. Is that America? Is that America? Remember looking at your cell phone. Oh, my God, what's going on here? Oh, no, my God, put the mask on. Oh, my Oh my God, take a shot. Oh, my God, my neighbor died. Oh, my God. Right, right. And so then once they can get you to the condition where you are realize that you are fearful and in danger, oh, then they can bring the solution. Then you can put on a mask and social distance and shut down your church. Oh, that's what's going on. I suggest all of you watch this video. We'll put it in the chat again because it will explain to you everything that's going on, right? Hey, we're going to win because we have the mind of Christ, folks. 
We take captive every thought that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bring it into captivity to the obedience of Christ. And when we do that, that crap goes out the window. See you tomorrow.